Welcome to the Mixed Movement, where we speak candidly about the uncommon commonalities that people of mixed race face in our world today. Here, we listen, share, learn, and acknowledge that through our stories, we are all connected. We are your hosts, me, Chris, and Rachel Go. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Jordan, and he is the creator of the Mixed Race Revolution page on Instagram. And Jordan and I have had the opportunity to connect and get to know each other a little bit better over the last couple of months. And it's been really wonderful getting to know him and learning a little bit about his cause. So welcome today, Jordan, to the show. And how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully well. And it's a wonderful privilege to be on the program with you, Rachel. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to uh, working together. Yes, me too. Do you care to tell us a little bit about yourself and your upbringing, where you came from? Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Berkeley, California. I lived there for a good 26 years of my life before I settled in Southern Nevada. And frankly, it's been a crazy 30 years that I've been on this planet. But a lot of the crazy things that have happened over those years molded me into the best version of myself. A lot of what happened, it also inspired me to create the mixed race revolutionary brand on Instagram and my 30s. So I've now been 30 for now, three months now, and I am looking to make my 30s the very best in terms of healing. Also like spreading the fact to our people that we are enough the way we are. We don't have to conform to the racial binary nature of this country. And we are enough the way we are, and we ought to seek things like self-forgiveness, self-acceptance, and self-compassion. Yes, <laughs> that speaks to my soul. I could not agree more, and I'm really, really excited that you're on this journey as well. So you are biracial, correct? Technically speaking, triracial if people really want to go that far because I'm actually a original Louisiana Creole. And if you look into like the admixture of the Louisiana Creole during that time, we are an admixture of African, European, and even Native American, mainly like Choctaw or Cherokee or whichever were the indigenous tribes to Mississippi and Louisiana during that time. And after even speaking to like my auntie who literally looks like a black, white, native, mixed woman. She says that we are Choctaw and Sagali. Either or, it's just people use Sagali or Choctaw, whichever people prefer. Okay. Your parents are both Creole? That's correct. Amazing. And I've noticed that a lot of people in the circles use terms like MGM, which stands for multi-generationally mixed, something along those lines. I hear, I hear that a lot. And I also hear like FGM, first generationally mixed. But at this point, I don't really 
like use those terms because I think that Louisiana Creole specifically refers to something. So I would prefer to go with that as opposed to MGM. As more of a blanket or vague. Correct. Because okay. yeah, MGM, it seems vague because what am I specifically? But right. again, if folks really dive into the roots of the Louis Creole, mm -hmm. that gets into the specifics as to what we are. Right. So are your parents from Louisiana? So my dad was born and raised in San Francisco. Okay. His family came from Louisiana and Mississippi, but my mom was born and raised in Natchez, Mississippi. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Did you have a lot of extended family near you where you grew up? I did. You did? Yes. Although I didn't know them that well, eventually we all connected because a number of cousins of mine lived in Oakland and in Hayward. Okay. And those are also cities in the Bay Area. Bay Area includes cities like San Francisco, you know, San Mateo, Nevada, San Rafael, Berkeley, Oakland, Alameda, Richmond, Vallejo. The list goes on. Okay. That's amazing. So growing up, I'm going to ask, is it safe to say that you looked like your parents? Yes. Okay. So there was never any like question of whether or not you belonged in your own family, right? Correct. Okay. Because much of my immediate family looks like me, my brothers do. And there is like maybe a little bit of a difference, I guess, when it comes to parents who are MGM. I guess with people really want to go that far in FGM. So I tell folks is that, yeah, although our parentage may be different, we still share and experience a lot of the things in this world. See, that is pretty common for us mixed race people to experience. Such as an example, I've been getting the what are you question for almost 20 years. Yeah. You yourself can also relate to that too. Exactly. We can still understand each other very clearly, even though we have a bit of a different parentage. Right. I want to point out that that is something that I find extremely eye-opening to me and a beautiful perspective that when I started this movement, I wasn't expecting to come upon somebody who had that different dynamic from me. And so learning and hearing about your upbringing and that you did look like your parents yet we do still face the same questions in the world, I think is really important to, to hear about. So thank you for sharing that. Likewise. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There's even maybe one quick point that I will touch on. Uh -huh. And I'll just be quick with it, though. Sure. So we know that growing up, it's also very common for us to feel confused as to what we are. Right. Like our parents will say something different in the household Whereas the real world has something completely different to share. Because growing up, at least uh, throughout my elementary school years, my mom would only teach me everything that she knew because Mississippi at the time was all that she knew. So she would just say that I was just a black kid in elementary school. However, that backfired big time because I'm being called black at home. But why are these black kids calling me a stupid white boy? Right. Why am I getting bullied? And why are these people saying that? No, you are not. And then 
by like middle school, high school, people are asking, hey, are saying, you know, you actually look Puerto Rican or Dominican, you're Hispanic. Usually that's a time where racial consciousness is really starting to become a big thing in our youth. So a lot of our people are going to actually have that quick phase of confusion in their lifetime. And it's going to be very hurtful and it may even cause us some harm. But then that's ultimately where we all collectivize here. We all share each other's experiences and we all try to find ways of healing and coping the correct ways and not in such unhealthy ways. Because that's where I felt that I was heading it during that time. Yeah, understandably so. Exactly. And unfortunately, that was the direction that I headed in. And we are definitely going to get into that at some point. Yes. Thank you for that. I call it, my term is when the world happened to me or when the world happens to us. In my household, my upbringing, I didn't look like my sister. I didn't look like my mom. I didn't look like the man who adopted me, but it didn't matter because I always felt loved and this is my family. But then once I got out <laughs> into school life and the world, it, that was when I noticed that I was different. At home, I didn't. So I'm, I can appreciate the fact that you have had a, a bit of a different family dynamic in the sense that you do look in relation to your parents. But then also the world happened to you as well. Precisely. Yeah. The way you interpreted it was on point. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Anytime, Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel Go. It is my mission in life to help people like you learn to love every aspect of themselves in order to attain the life of their dreams. If you are ready to live a life free of fears and land that dream job or go travel the world or whatever your dreams may be, message me at coachrachelgo at gmail.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-O at gmail.com. Or find me on Instagram at liveempowerednow. There is nothing more powerful than loving the person you see in the mirror every day because courage starts within. So can you tell me, how did you handle those scenarios? How did you handle being questioned where you fit in? So like, the what are you questions really started kicking in by my seventh grade year in the fall of 2004. And, but since my mom had been calling me black for quite some time, I would get defensive in school and say that, hey, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black, only for these people to say, uh, not really. You, you look white or you look half white. That's not possible. So it was starting to make me feel very insecure. And my 12-year-old mind has no idea how to cope with stuff like that, let alone dealing with a trait of yours that you cannot even change, which is your racial or your ethnic background. So it's going to cause our kids and our youth to become probably very discombobulated, very confused, and very hurt because the brain 
doesn't exactly know how to cope with stuff like that. And the parents may not really quite understand that because that's just not really something that they may have not even experienced at all. Exactly. So there's a little bit of a lack of guidance as far as how to navigate those for children. That those are those are questions that I was asked as well, and I I agree with you. You don't really know what to do with it. Exactly, because again, because my mom is thinking that well, hey, in Natchez, Mississippi, I was just black. I was called black. I had to sit with the black kids. I had to go to the black side of the doctor's office or the dentist's office, and that was it. So again, it just goes back to her teaching me only the things that she knew. Right. She didn't really quite expect for me to undergo what I underwent during that time. So now she understands it. She gets it now after living in California for the past 50 years. But she still has that mindset because, again, childhood is considered to be probably the most crucial part of a child's development. And it's also going to shape their worldview, their attitude, and just how they perceive things around them. Right. Absolutely. So since she had a different development, as well as me, the two were just nearly incompatible to where we were just starting not to understand each other during that time. Right. And unfortunately, that is also a common thing in our community, whereas your parents, your own parents, your own people who help bring you into this world won't understand you. So how did that affect you and your upbringing? I honestly was starting to become very racist. Really? Oh, yes. During that time. Because during that time, okay, I'm coming home. I'm being called black. But the real world is saying that I'm not. It was starting to make me feel resentful towards my mother. Because I was thinking that had she been lying to me this entire time, and since there were black kids who were even bullying me because of that, and them saying that I'm just basically this cracker boy, I was starting to become racist right back. But now I can say is that, you know, you can't fight hate with hate. You can't fight racism with racism. So then by the ninth grade, I didn't want to sit with the black kids. There was even, honestly, one time where I even said the hard R towards a girl. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because of what had been going on in my home as far as what my mom was calling me and what these kids were deeming me as during that time. So it was a very crazy period for me during that moment. And then even also, that was also a time where MySpace was very popular and the Yahoo chat rooms and then also chat rooms in general. I would go on there and make a bunch of racist rants, too, with uh, using the hard R, if you know what I mean. What? Wow. I just have to say it's very introspective of you to be able to pinpoint what it did and how it how it shifted your, like, internally. So you you became racist towards which demographic? exactly what what race did you pin as not okay not acceptable so during that time Mm -hmm. because of a lot of the stuff that i was being taught i was also seeing whiteness as a bad trait because again it all goes back to what my mom was growing up with and what she was teaching me 
And then I also do remember my second grade year, I was basically telling this um, white kid, Jeremy, that, hey, Jeremy's white and there's something wrong with him. And even my teacher at the time was white too. And I was saying that there was something wrong with him. And then my teacher at the time ended up calling my mom and saying that, hey, I think Jordan here is starting to develop some racial prejudice here, your seven-year-old kid. So I'm just calling you to express concern. And then my mom got upset at me for that. But I'm like, well, mom, you were kind of teaching me some things that you were growing up with. And this all goes back to my uh, second grade year, which I started in the fall of 1999. Wow. So I remembered that incident in the ninth grade. And I'm like, why did I deem whiteness a bad thing if the world thinks I'm white? So maybe I am white. So then that's where I also told my mom when I was 14 is that I'm actually going to put my whiteness over my blackness. And that broke her heart big time. And it definitely caused a lot of drama and a lot of conflicts during that time in the household. I can only imagine. Because I'm being called two different things. So like, which is it? Because for all this time, for years, I was being called this only for the world to say that I'm something completely different. That's what's going to cause a lot of us to end up in that sunken place of confusion and self-hatred. So it's honestly is a bit even hard to even go down that memory path since it's all, it's a crazy path. Right. But right now I feel bold enough to just come out with just a full blown truth as to what was going on during that time. But then again, all that stuff is what ultimately molded me into who I am today and right now. Good for you for acknowledging that and not hiding or trying to cover up the experiences that you had to go through to to get to where you are. So would you mind sharing a little bit more about where you are now and what your big goal is? Because I personally think that it's a big goal, but I would love for our listeners to hear a little bit more. My goal for my brand, along with everyone who's going to be a part of it or those who want to partner up, is again, going back to what I said prior, that is coming to terms with who you are, because that's how you're going to achieve the best level of peace that you can ever imagine. Absolutely. Also, embracing whatever introspective journey that you've embarked upon, because that too can also lead to the peace that you're yearning for, as well as the fact of embracing all the other principles to a peace of mind, such as, again, self-forgiveness, self-compassion, and self-acceptance, because you don't really want to keep holding on to this bitterness, because if anything, bitterness is going to cause you to curse at the things that are already blessed for you, things that were already set out for you. So it's time to let go of all that bitterness because yes, during that time, I became very bitter in a racial sense because of what had happened to me. But then that's where ultimately I want us all to just start taking personal accountability for it though. That is my favorite word, accountability. (laughs) So yes, I, I have to agree wholeheartedly that that is where we need to start 
And that is really where a lot of us are in our healing journey begins is being accountable, holding ourselves accountable for what had happened in our past and how we navigated it then. And then what we can do differently now. Like I said earlier, though, is that the bitterness will cause you to curse at the things that were once blessed to you. So you always want to keep and maintain your blessings, right? Absolutely. So therefore, if we want to keep those blessings, we all have to take personal accountability for our triggers and how we cope with what happened during that time. Because long story short, holding on to stuff like that, keeping those bad memories and putting them at the forefront of your life is baggage. Life's too short for all that baggage and life is too short for that unhealthy level of resentment and bitterness. Because how are you ever going to have peace with yourself? And how are you ever going to connect well with others if all this stuff is going to be in the forefront of your mind? It's very unhealthy. Keeping that stuff on is going to be like drinking poison and expecting others to die. It's not edifying and it's not going to do you any good. Sure, what some people may have done to us was wrong. But then again, it's now time to take personal accountability and start working ourselves out of that abyss so that we can actually have happiness and peace because we can't make other people do stuff that it's just not in their hearts to do. So how do you go about with achieving a healthy level of spiritual, mental, and psychological peace? I am so impressed. <laughs> Thank you for yeah, sharing like that, Jordan. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. And you know, I love my mom very much. We speak and we're very close every day. We speak every day. I'm not going to hold all that stuff against her at all because it was also so long ago too. And sure, it may have caused a lot of bad effects to linger on. But my attitude is that, you know what? We both found closure. Things are at peace. Who cares? I took accountability and that's it. Good for you. Get over it, basically. Yeah. Good for you. I got to be honest and say that that's why I said that I wanted to share my testimony is that I know some of us are not ready, but as harsh as it may sound, people, I love you guys enough to tell you the truth, but they're just going to have to be some things that we are just going to have to get over. So yeah, what happened to me, it sucks. But guess what, Jordan, Jordan Davis, get over it. Because this world is not going to tiptoe around you like that. This is a very cold world, so we have to find ways to survive it. And since we've already survived enough, then we can certainly keep moving on without all this baggage. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And and it's, it's funny, just an inner thought. I think about my term, when the world happened to me, right? Of like having my family unit and then going out into the world and then being questioned. That can border and maybe be a little confusing as far as accountability, which is also another major, you know, um, pineapple, a, what is that called? <laughs> it's like a value. Wow. There, there I go again. Okay. Um, having accountability and saying that the world happened to to me can sound like contradictory because they're both core values that I hold. Um, but when it comes to 
the way you navigate the world and and being accountable for your own your own reactions and your own history, your own past is a little bit different. The world will interact with you, but it's how you navigate it that's the important part. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. And yes, there are certain things that we do need to, I would not necessarily say get over, but acknowledge, accept, and let go of. That's what I mean. But I I guess I should have been a a little bit better with my terminology. But I'm just saying that it's just because, you know what? Hey, I want to, I love us very, very much. And I just would love for us to put the baggage to the side. Right. It doesn't mean it's never going to go away. Exactly. But I mean, we have to get over just, just the heavy weight of it. Make it a lighter weight to where it's not going to affect and define every aspect of our life. Absolutely. Don't let these things hold you down or hold you back from your, your purpose and your mission in life. So yeah, so excuse my passion there. Uh, uh, never. I will, I will, no need to excuse it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your mission and and your your biggest goal right now. For us to just simply feel free. Yes. Because a lot of us don't feel free because of all of that baggage that we keep holding on to and keep putting in the forefronts of our mind. But with freedom and liberation, it's very self-rewarding, it's self-soothing, it's self-consoling. And that all that starts with self-compassion, the self-forgiveness and self-acceptance and realizing that you are enough the way that you are. Absolutely. And that regardless of how cold the world is and how much the world is going to think in binary terms and how even some people even in your own community will even go about it scoffing at and invalidating your experience. but. The goal to freedom is just kicking that dust off your feet and just keeping it moving because you actually have a valid purpose that you're going to serve and it's just going to feel very free, so to speak. Yeah, it is. <laughs> from Speaking from somebody who has been on both sides of, of the spectrum of self-doubt, self, just not self-love, lack of self-confidence questioning my own actions and my own purpose to now learning and knowing that I'm here for a reason and I don't have to justify that to anybody in particular. The people that hear that, see that, and feel that will know. So why why fight the people that aren't willing to be open? And it doesn't really matter. I know my purpose and I know my worth. I know my value and I know that I'm made of love. So yeah, I, thank you. Um, I have a very similar hope and dream with with my life and my goal. You are beginning to pursue a big movement that will hopefully help shift history in this country in terms of acceptance and what that can do for other people. Can you share with us what your goal is right now? So the long-term goal for what I would like to do along with hopefully some help because I'm not going to be able to do it alone. And that, which is why I'm hoping that we could all form 
a rock solid empire where actually all empires come together, like your movement, mixed movement, my movement, mixed race revolution, or even then there's radically, what's, what's the other girl's name? Radically mixed movement. I do yes. know her. And then also the mixed race podcast woman. I know her. So when the numbers continue to come in, I would like for us to check out the OMB Directive 15, which is the census that deals with racial slash ethnic classifications. So although it's now been 22 years since we were able to check multiple boxes or say other or this or that, we could do better. We could actually have like more on the census, such as, hey, whatever you want to call yourself, it's mulatto or Blasian or Hapa, Eurasian or MGM or Arab or Louisiana Creole, like me, or just about everything that's missing from the census. Because if you guys were to Google search the UK's census, you can see that Britain is ahead of us in terms of the classifications that they have on their census. Because you can say that you're uh, a British Jamaican mix, or you're Arab, or you're Pakistani. That's incredible. <laughs> they have 15, right? It's, they do. They have 15. We, ha have, we have five. Exactly. And honestly, in my opinion, that is sad and pathetic. It's like America. We can do better. The melting pot of the better. world. Yes, we can do better. <laughs> exactly. So because like a person who is Arab, like Arab American, they would be put as white where they can just say, well, where's the category for Arab? Or out here in Las Vegas, like a police officer put the letter H on my ticket. I'm like, and then I, <laughs> you, you probably saw that on my Instagram story where I shared what the officer put me as. Yes, H for Hispanic, like, right? Yeah, so I'm like, uh, officer, <laughs> you got this wrong. <laughs> Man. So, so therefore... We could, at some point, write to the OMB directive and say, could we please add on these additional categories? Because our population is growing. It had only been 22 years since we were able to do this. And since there are a lot of people who are, you know, becoming like Eurasian or Hapa, that just means like white Asian mix or Blasian, black Asian mix, because my best friend, she is actually a proud Blasian and she considers herself that. And again, with me, Louis Creo, and then there's even some of us who are even still comfortable with calling ourselves mulatto, especially when mulatto was actually once on the U.S. census up into the 1930s. Well, okay, we'll add mulatto back onto the census if that's what they're going to be comfortable with. So ultimately, the long-term goal is to add those additional categories. And we can do it with the right numbers and with the right passion and with the right level of strong will. That's amazing. And yes, I do believe that th this is not an unattainable goal. But I do have to ask you, especially for our listeners, if somebody would like to help be a part of this cause and push this forward, what can our listeners do to help? They can feel free to also write 
to OMB Directive 15 and just go from there. We will like maybe what me and you could do is we could structure how we want, you know, like to go about with it. We don't want to be too short or too long, just straight to the point and just say that, you know, since there's a growing mixed race population of such a variety of mixes, it would be appropriate to start adding more labels to the census, especially when a lot of us are getting misclassified, such as me, Hispanic, or even my friend who is actually Syrian American, but yes, she's put as white, even though she does not have any ancestral ties to Europe at all. Wow. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think a lot of people really who have not been impacted by having to check boxes that are not correct. I don't think that it's something that most people are even aware of and how impactful that can be on your mental health and the way you view yourself and your identity, especially in a world that questions us almost everywhere we go. What are you, which is really exactly. frustrating. So then to have to f then further when you're filling out forms at doctor's offices or at the, on the census to have to choose and have to choose incorrectly can really affect our mental health. So I just want to say, Jordan, thank you for putting in the work that you have and that you're going to continue to do to make this change, because I know that it will positively impact and hopefully influence more change in this realm in the future. So thank you. Anytime. My pleasure. Absolutely. So if there are any other updates as far as taking action, please post about it and I will put a link in the show notes for today for anybody that would like to maybe reach out to you and see what they can do to help. Or if there is a direct link on your Instagram page that you create, I will link it in the show notes as time progresses. So uh, Jordan, thank you for your time today and sharing all that you have shared with everybody. I really appreciate you and your story and where you came from and where you're, you are now and where you're going. So thank you for being you. Anytime. I do have one last question that I ask everybody. Ask away. Okay. What is your biggest mission in life? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? As somebody who just simply wanted to get things right, somebody who wanted to lead me and just at least inspire others to go down a much better direction just because of how there would be an amazing peaceful factor that would come along with it. Now, the what, what final note that I will say is that I don't really want any of us to come in here what's like a savior's complex because people can only save themselves. You can only, it starts with saving your own self and then branching out as a collective because I can't save anybody and I can't make you do something that's just not in your heart to do. But the least I can do is just give you like a word of inspiration and just go from there. So the legacy that I would like is a legacy that revolves around just like a good word of inspiration to make things into better versions of what they should be. Jordan, thank you. Thank you for, for that insight as well. You are absolutely correct. And thank you again for sharing yourself with the world. 
Thank you very much, Rachel. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We want to be here for you, and we can't do what we're doing without your support. Please hit subscribe, and to stay up to date, head on over to mixmovement.com. That's M-I-X-D-M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T.com to stay up to date with news and more. We are The Mixed Movement. See you next time.